Hey, welcome to New River Church's podcast. We're really glad you decided to join us today, and we hope that today's message encourages you and lifts you up. If you're looking for some more information about New River Church, just check us out at newriverchurch.org. So let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'll start verses 1 through 12. And he says this, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by that same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. God, would you please open our eyes? Help us to see this, Lord. Father, um, we're, we've just been so influenced uh, by our culture and the Western mindset, Lord, that at times it makes it complicated for us to see the spiritual world. I pray, Lord, open our eyes to see you and to see this world as you see it. Help us to understand this, Holy Spirit, I pray. Please. There's this old, old chorus that I've been singing in, in preparation for this morning, and would you sing it with me as a uh, prayer? It's a prayer. And so just in this spirit of prayer, uh, we'll sing it a cappella because we didn't really have the music for it, but uh, sort of a last-minute thing. But it goes like this. If you know it, sing it with me. It says, Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus To reach out and touch Him And say that we love Him Open our ears, Lord And help us to live Open our eyes, Lord. 
to see Jesus. You guys sound beautiful. Can we sing that again? Okay, let's make this our prayer, please. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus. To reach out and touch him. And say that we love him. Open our ears, Lord. And help us to listen. Lord, we do. Open our eyes, Lord. We've got to see it. We want to see Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. That's our prayer, Lord. Open our eyes today. So we come into this text, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And there are two problems. I don't mean to start off negative, but there's two problems we have that really cloud our ability to fully grasp this passage that we need to break through this morning. The first one is that we're self-centered. And I'm not saying that to put you down like we all are. We all, we all think it's all about us. Every one of us. If you don't believe me, look at a group photo where you're in it. Let's, you're in a group photo? Whose picture do you look for first in the group photo? You know it. You look for your own. You look for your own. It's because that's, that's the way all of us just see life. We naturally see it around us. But you understand in the Bible that most of the time when the word you is given, the pronoun you, it's actually plural. And, and when we're talking about these spiritual gifts, you say, oh, this is my spiritual gift. But it's actually not. And he's speaking to us collectively. And so we've got to kind of break out of that, that thinking of that self-centered thinking like somehow, oh, this is a message just for me. No, it's, it's a message for us, and this is actually what God is doing in us, and, and not just us as individuals, but us collectively. Does that make sense? And then the second problem that we face is like we've been praying. We live in this Western world, and we just don't naturally think spiritually. We've been conditioned by our culture. We think scientifically, rationally. That's just how we perceive the world. But these first century Corinthians, they did not have that mindset. They actually were a, they had a spiritual mindset. For them, everything was spiritual. Like literally everything was spiritual. And you want to you get a nice uh, crop? Well, you got to sacrifice to this God because the gods are in charge. And you want to have babies? You got to sacrifice to this God because the gods are in charge. And, you know, if, if we had bad weather, it must have been the gods. If we had their, everything that they, everything they saw was spiritual. You and I kind of think just scientifically, rationally, and we almost have to train ourselves to see the spiritual world at work. And I, and I propose to you that that's really important because as Paul comes into 1 Corinthians 12 here, you notice that he starts off and he says, hey, now about these spiritual gifts, I, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be un, uninformed. I want to make sure you know about these spiritual gifts. And then what does he do right away? Now, you know that when you were pagans, you remember that? 
that you used to go after these mute idols? And, and oh, by the way, any spirit that says Jesus is Lord, that's from God. Any spirit that says Jesus is accursed, well, that's from the devil. So I thought you were telling us about spiritual gifts. Well, he is. But see, the Corinthians already understood spiritual gifts. What they needed was not to be convinced about spiritual gifts. They needed to be directed in terms of this is Jesus and this is the devil. This is good and this is bad. See, you and I actually kind of need to be convinced of the spiritual gifts. See, what we typically do in the church is this. We do, modern Americans in our Western mindset. We take our natural talents and abilities, like uh, you're a leader, you're a teacher, you can sing, you're a musician, you're really good at math. We take these natural abilities, and then we give them to God, and we serve him with those, and we call that spiritual gifts. That's not spiritual gifts. Let me, let me make it clear. Jesus is worthy of everything that we have to give him. And so your talents and abilities that you were born with, Jesus gave you, though. He created you with those. And absolutely give them 100% in service to our king. Jesus is worthy of it. Amen, isn't he? He's worthy of my absolute best effort. I'm going to give him everything I've got. So please, I'm not at all saying don't do that. I'm just trying to draw a distinction between using my natural talents and abilities in service to God, which is an awesome thing, and these things called spiritual gifts, because they're very, they're two different things. And what I propose to you is that we as Christians in America, typically what we've done is we take our natural talents, we give them to the Lord, and we call that spiritual gifts, and we've been wrong. And so we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where he speaks specifically about spiritual gifts. You've got to notice something. These spiritual gifts are otherworldly. You see them in, in verses 6 through 8. They're, they're, other, they're not natural. Like when we're talking about spiritual gifts, you're talking about something that you can't, you, you can't say, wow, you must have read a great book on that, and that's why you're so good at it. You, you can't, we're talking about something that the only explanation is God. And see, when you're, when you're talking about the spiritual world, we're only talking about two teams. And that's what Paul clarifies for us in verses 2 and 3. Because in the spiritual world, it's not a league. It's not like March Madness in the spiritual world where there's brackets and the teams are all working for the championship game. Like, that's not how that works. In the spiritual world, there's two teams. Team Jesus, Team Devil. That's I'm being simplistic, but that's what it comes down to. And so I'm either, at all times, I'm either dealing with one or the other. And Paul says in verse 3 that the way to tell the difference between the two is Jesus. Is Jesus honored? Is Jesus lifted up? Is Jesus elevated? That's Team Jesus. Because on Team Jesus, how many of you know it's all about Jesus? And I like it that way. Anybody else like it that way? I like it that way. You've heard me say before, living life with Jesus is like playing basketball with LeBron James. He gets all the baskets, and I share the trophy. It's great. The fact that you and I get to play on his team and share the trophy, like, 
Come on, that's a good thing. So, yeah, it's all about Jesus. He's the star of this team. But on the other team, listen, they do everything they can to put that down. And so if you're encountering something, if you're engaging in some kind of spiritual activity, and it honors and elevates Jesus, you can rest assured that's God. But if it's not, if it's diminishing, or if it's redirecting you, directing your attention from Jesus to something else, mm, that doesn't smell good. And that's what Paul tells us in verse 3. I was just yesterday at, at a wedding, and there was a lady there that was telling me she was thankful that I made the wedding about Jesus, that it was such a Christ-centered wedding. And, and I was like, well, that's really nice. I don't know any other way to do a wedding, so that's just the way that it is. But she was grateful for it, and then she said that she went this week to a funeral of a Christian who had passed away, and the whole funeral, the name of Jesus wasn't mentioned once at this Christian funeral. Christian. So see, would it be called a Christian funeral if Jesus isn't even mentioned? How can that be? See, so you want, listen, we need to be careful because we live in this world where everybody wants to be spiritual. And they're chasing, you know, kind of weird things. Unless it honors Jesus, don't go there. It's got to be about Jesus. He is our litmus test when it comes to the spiritual world. And so he lays that out in verse 3. It's all about Jesus. And then we recognize that these spiritual gifts, that there's something about them that is otherworldly, that you just can't quite put your finger on. You can't quite explain it other than God. Let me give you a couple of examples of this at work. In Acts chapter 8, in Acts chapter 8, we have... We have um, Peter and John. They go to the city of Samaria because there's tons of people in Samaria that are beginning to follow Jesus. It's like this revival breaking out, and it's awesome. So Peter and John go from Jerusalem up to Samaria, and the Bible tells us they're laying hands on the new believers there, and they're praying for them to be filled with the Spirit. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us specifically what that all looked like, but it must have been something. Because in the crowd, there's this guy named Simon who was a magician. And Simon is a good old pagan, you know, he's not a follower of Christ at all. He's just a magician guy who knows all about tricks, knows all about smoke and mirrors, knows all about sleight of hand. And he sees something that really intrigues him. So much so that Simon actually offers to pay Peter and John, hey, can you uh, teach me how to do that? So what did he see? He saw something that he knew was outside of the natural realm. Now here's another example. In Acts chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas are ministering. And God works in such power. Miracles are happening. Lives are changing. God moves in such power that it says that the crowd, look at that, when they saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to, in human form. And the next verse tells us that they called Barnabas Zeus and they called Paul Hermes. They literally thought that Barnabas and Paul were Hermes and Zeus incarnate. Now, obviously, they were misguided and confused about their assumption. But the point is, something was going on. 
something was happening in that meeting that was otherworldly, that they couldn't explain, that these people are confused about Zeus and Hermes, but something was happening. You know, I mean, I think I've preached a couple of good sermons in my day, but never had anybody confuse me with a Greek god, you know, right? I read this, and I'm like, wow, God, I'd love to operate in that kind of power. Wouldn't you? I actually believe that the world around us is dying for the church to operate in that kind of power. But we've been... Like I said, we're stuck in this, let me use my natural gifts for God and call it spiritual gifts, and then wonder why there's really not much difference between us and anybody else. You're just a nice person using your talents for the church, and they're nice people using their talents for other organizations. What's the difference? I say, friends, it's time for us to dig into this a little bit and see what he's doing. You'll notice something about these gifts that are mentioned in this verse, that there's something that is metaphysical. There's something otherworldly about these things. Look at the list. Let's just list them, and then we'll talk through them real quick. You have the gift of wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, the interpretation of tongues. See, none of those is a natural talent. You don't, just wait, you don't just wake up one morning and now you have those. You're not born with these. You see the difference? And these, my friend, are spiritual gifts. So let me just, let's talk through them so that we understand what they are. The gift of wisdom is the ability to solve a problem. Plain and simple. Have you ever been in a group where the group is all twisted up over something and there's just... You, you know, they're arguing, and they just don't, you're unclear, and nobody has an answer, and, and then suddenly, somebody comes up with this thing, and it just clears the clouds away, and everybody goes, oh, yeah, the gift of wisdom. Or then there's the gift of knowledge. It's the ability to know something that you shouldn't otherwise know. I saw this in my own life a few, a number of years ago. Uh, I was helping a brother who was recovering from a crack addiction. And as part of the process in his recovery, I rented a car for him because he was getting near the, doing pretty well and wanted him to have a job. And so he's getting a job and needed a ride. So I rented the car. Well, he took the car and he rented that to his crack dealer in exchange for crack. And he went on a binge. So I lost him and lost the car. And it was about a week or so that it was just really a crazy week. And through the course of that week, actually got the phone number of the drug dealer, a guy who goes by the street named Q. And so I called up Q, and I talked with him two or three times, trying to convince him to give me my car back, and um, he wouldn't. Finally, on the last conversation that we had, the Lord gave me a word of knowledge. And by that, I mean, it wasn't that I knew in this moment. It wasn't like God says, hey, I'm about to give you a word of knowledge now. It was just in the course of our conversation. But, the, but I told him, I told him this. I said, you know, I know you live, I know your grandma lives in Waterbury. You love your grandma very much, and you're at your grandma's house right now, and I know where she lives, and if you don't turn the car in, I'm going to come and get the car, and you're going to be in trouble. Within a couple of hours, 
They found the car at a garage. He had dumped it, broken the side view mirrors, returned it. He was dead silent on the phone. How did I know his grandmother? And I didn't know that. That's a word of knowledge. That's what that's called. I had no business knowing it. But apparently, it was right on the money because it was enough to scare him to turn the car back in. So thank you, Jesus. Word of knowledge. See how that works? How about the gift of faith? It's the ability to believe God in big ways and live accordingly. You know, you know who has that in our church? Glenn and Tammy Gerhard have the gift of faith. You know it, right? So you're shaking your head. You're like, oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. They, they, they've been known to do some crazy things. Not crazy, but you know what I mean, good crazy, in the name of the Lord. It's the ability to believe God in big ways, and then you live accordingly. Um, here's the gift. The next gift is the, is the gift of healing. It's the ability to restore health to the sick, literally. Lay hands or pray, on, pray for someone to receive healing. Deaf ears can hear, blind eyes can see, sick bodies can be made whole, dead people can be raised to life again. Healing. Matt Lyles in our, in our church has been used in this way at times. He's laid his hands on people and seen profound healings. Um, the gift of miracles is slightly different than the gift of healing because not every, I'll say it this way, every healing is a miracle, but not every miracle is a healing in the sense that Jesus walked on water and he calmed the storm and he fed a crowd with 5,000 people and he healed blind eyes. See, those are miracles and that you, healings are related to physical healings. Miracles are related to challenging the ways of nature, if you will, and the ability to do that. I happen to think that what we saw recently with Hurricane Dorian was a miracle. And that, sadly, the Bahamas were hit as hard as they were, but that storm could have been so much worse. And how did that storm just mysteriously fizzle out in the ocean? And yet it did. I happen to believe that it did as a result of the prayers of many of God's people rebuking that thing and standing against it. It's a miracle. And then you've got the gift of prophecy. The uh, prophecy is the ability to give a message from God to someone. The ability to, to hear from the throne of God and speak this to the other person. We have in our church, we've had prophets come to our church in the years past. We've had Jean Allen. She's one of our favorites. Some of you remember Jean. Some of you to this day are living out the word that she prophesied to you years ago. You're seeing these things actually come true in your life. That's the ministry of prophecy. It's a powerful, powerful gift. And then we have the ability, the distinguishing between spirits is the next gift. It's the ability to know the difference between God's team and the devil's. It's being able to discern the two teams. Boy, we have some folks in our church that have a high gift of discernment. My wife is one of them. We have, we have Elaine is another one. Jody has a high degree of discernment. Tammy's gotten that. We've gotten, I mean, a number of us have this ability to discern the spirits. I think it's a good thing. You'll see that in a moment. We need it more and more. Because listen, friends, if we're going to begin to walk in the supernatural, we need discernment to know whether we're playing for the right team or not. When you're walking in the natural, discernment's valuable, but it's not life or death. When you're walking in the supernatural, oh, we need discernment to know. And then there's the gift of tongues. 
which is basically speaking a prophetic message in a language that's not your own. This is different than a prayer language. This is something we're talking about for the body, for all of us as a whole. The gift of tongues is the ability to speak a prophetic message, but in a language that's not your own. I've seen this work numerous times in my life. I know a couple of years ago I was in a prayer meeting, and it was a small group, maybe eight or so of us there, and we're praying. It was a great time of prayer. And in the middle of the prayer, someone said, I feel like I have a word for us, but it's in tongues. And so we're still in this spirit of prayer. You know, we're just praying. And we said, okay, go ahead and share that. So they, they gave their message in tongues. And we continued to pray. We're like, okay, Lord, good. We're waiting for an interpretation of that. That's the next gift. Lord, give us an interpretation. What is, what are you saying, Lord, here? And as we prayed, the Lord gave it to somebody else in the group, and they shared it with the group. As a group, we're listening to this, testing it, evaluating it. And you know what? We really felt like, boy, we heard that was a good word we got from the Lord. We got a good word from the Lord. You see, that's how that works. You're working on this together. This is not a my gift and you. This is us together. What's God doing in our midst? I propose to you that the Corinthians fully understood the spiritual world. They just needed to know which one they were talking about. And Paul directs them. These are the gifts of the Spirit. These are the ones that honor and lift up the name of Jesus. That's what these are. Friends, you see these gifts. I'll say it again. They're not natural. You notice that about these? There's none of these that you were born with. All of these have a supernatural flair to them, an otherworldliness to them that goes beyond what you and I would just typically be able to do in our own strength and our own power. In other words, they're God at work in us and through us. That's what they are. See? So, so let me spend the rest of our time talking about principles for how to make use of these because Paul gives us these in this text that we're looking at today in 1 Corinthians 12. Let's talk about some of these basic principles for how to make use of these gifts. The first one is this, don't be uninformed about the gifts. That's verse 1. In other words, learn, seek after them, try them out, go for it, study, practice. Don't be uninformed about them. Make this an effort on your part. It's a worthy effort. Can I ask you something? Have you ever felt the power of God flow through you? Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever had someone else say to you, wow, God, that was like, that wasn't you. That was God working right there. Have you ever had that? I can tell you that there's nothing like it, and there's certainly not room for pride, that when you know that God's at work, you know it's not you, it's not, you're, you're just the donkey, right, that God's using, that's all I am at that moment, there's no room for pride, but boy, does it honor the Lord, does it honor Jesus, yeah, because God, I'm just a bozo, but wow, you're doing this, Whew. and so Friends, I'm telling you this morning, this right here is worth your effort. Scripture tells us in 2 Timothy 1, 
fan into flame the gift of God that was given to you at the laying on of my hands. God gives this gift to us as a spark, and now it's our responsibility to fan it into a flame, to blow on it, to, to fuel it and feed it and see this thing grow. It's worth our best effort. The second thing is this. Second principle is the gift that you have, that we have, must always honor Jesus. Always, always. Remember the difference between the two teams? It's Jesus. And so the goal of this, friend, is always to build up the name of Jesus. So can I give you a word of caution as we pursue this together? We need to be careful to not allow, to not get offended too easily. Because sometimes that can happen. Oh, they didn't, they didn't like what I did. Oh, they didn't recognize what I did. They didn't understand what I did. You know, we get offended because they didn't receive it the way that I thought they should have received what I did. So I get offended by that. Can I tell you something? The moment you get offended by it, you're playing for the other team. Because remember, it's about Jesus, not about you. It's about him, not you and me. And so if I make it about me, I'm playing for the other team. I want to make it about Jesus. That's why we die to ourselves. This whole effort is all about us dying to ourselves. It's not about me. I disappear, I decrease, and Jesus increases, and that's what this is. See that? But the gift must always honor Jesus. The third principle is this. The Holy Spirit can use any one of us at any time that he chooses. So get ready. The, he tells us in this text, there's different gifts, different workings, different kinds of service, but there's the same God. There's one God working in all of them. In other words, the Holy Spirit can use you or me at any given time. It's completely up to him. Get ready. Get ready. Remember, the way that this works is this. The Holy Spirit sees a need, and then he raises up a gift to meet that need. That's how this works. A lot of times we get it backwards because we think, I have this gift, now let me find the need to meet this. But that's not how it works. The Holy Spirit is always seeing the needs in the body of Christ, and then he's raising up the gifts in order to meet those needs. See, where some of us are like our, my kids were, our kids were when they were little, when our kids, and I'm going to show this little picture because it's one of my favorites of my gang, but uh, this... Yeah, I was at this wedding yesterday, and there were little kids on the dance floor, and they were so cute, and it just made me miss these days when our kids were young and cute. I say all kids are like kittens. They're always cute, and then they grow up. <laughs> but anyway, so our kids are like this. This is an old picture of Caston and Carissa. I call this their village people picture. I <laughs> love uh, So, you know, they had like this, um, they had this little tool kit they had, you know, a little plastic tool kit. And so they're, they're both running around the house fixing stuff with their tool kit. And they're pounding, oh, I'm going to pound this wall. I'm going to beat this dish. I'm going to break this lamp. I'm gonna... <laughs> they're, they're breaking more things than they were fixing because they had their tools, and they're bound and determined. I'm going to use this tool. <laughs> you know, a lot of people are like that with their spiritual gift. I have this spiritual gift. I'm going to use it on you right now. <laughs> and we do a lot of damage and hurt because we take that approach. But you need to understand, it's not you have a spiritual gift and now go beat that guy over the head with it. That's not what we're talking about. Instead, 
Remember, it's us collectively, and the Holy Spirit knows exactly what the needs are. And so he goes, oh, here's a need. I think I'm going to match you to that need. I'm going to use you to meet this need. Here's this other need. I'm going to use you to meet this need. See what he's doing? It's not you have a gift. It's that the Spirit's bringing a gift to the body, and he's using you to do it. That's the, that's the next. The next principle is this, and they're just cute, so goodbye cuteness. Number five is we have to think like a body. Think like a body. That's why I read verse 12 at the end. I wanted to take it all the way to verse 12. Hmm? Did I skip one? You guys, I don't know. I wasn't using my notes. Oh, hey, okay, thank you. So number four, thanks, ladies, for keeping me on. Got to love it. See, can we get a hand for administration? The gift of administration. The spiritual gift right there. Thank you. The gift always, it always goes through you and not to you. Verse 7 says the, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And that was the point I was trying to make. The gift meets the need. The Spirit of God is doing this work, and then he raises up the gift to meet that need. So that actually went with number four. You're right. And now we go to number five. Thank you, ladies. As we think like a body. Verse 12 says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. I have to think like a we, not a me. And the Holy Spirit knows our body, and he knows the needs of our body, and he's constantly working to meet those needs. I, we need to, I need to keep saying it. I know I've repeated it this morning, but it's, we've got to keep saying it because we're so individualistic in the way that we think. We have to realize this is not my gift that I bring, but it's God's gift, and he's meeting the needs of his body. This is the spirit at work, and he's choosing to use you in this moment or me in that moment. He's, he's putting it together. It's his work, not ours, right? The, the, the church is the body of Jesus. It's not ours. This isn't even our church. We, we say, oh, yeah, this is our church, but it's technically not our church. We belong to Jesus, and he's doing his work in us and through us, and the spirit wants to do that. And I woke you up, see? There you go. And we need to let him do it. Number six, the last one is this. And then you're going to feel nervous. As you, as you, one of the ways that you can know that it's God at work through you, if, if you're feeling prompted to do something, let's say, one of the ways that you know that it's God is you're going to be nervous about it. There's going to be fear. The sooner you recognize that, the better off you'll be. Because you can't, um, remember, the spiritual world is a big world. And it's outside of our natural comfort zone. And so there's going to be a little bit of fear. There's going to be that. If I sense, oh, I, you know, God wants to share some word, you know, with Keith, and, and he's going to really need a word of encouragement today. So I've got this. You know what I'm going to instantly hear in my brain? Well, he's probably busy. It's probably not the right time. It's probably not a good time, and he doesn't really want to hear it, and you're just being silly, and he's doing okay. and That's, that's the natural tension that you're going to feel. 
as you pursue this, friend. But remember, it's the spiritual world, you know, which means it's completely outside of our comfort zone. Um, friends, there's, this is why we got to work on this together. This is why it takes a team. This is why this is not a message about you and your spiritual gift, but rather it's a message about spiritual gifts and how they apply to us as a church because it takes a team to be able to accomplish this. Last year at this time in November, Brad Williams and I went to Kenya with a missions team that our daughter, my daughter led. And um, at the end of the team, at the end of the time we were there, we went to the Maasai Mara and did a safari and that was super cool. And uh, when we were there, we actually got held at gunpoint by these guards for seven hours because they wanted a bribe. And when I say at gunpoint, it wasn't that cool. It was just guys with broken guns walking around holding us for seven hours, hoping to wear us down to get a bribe. I don't know that our lives were ever in danger at any point, but that's kind of how it was. Seven hours, we're sitting there in the sun waiting trying to wait these guys out. Well, you know what I'm thinking at this time? I was absolutely fed up. I was angry. I was done. Done with the corruption, done with the lies, done with people looking for bribes because they've been doing that for the last two weeks. I was so done with the whole deal and wanted nothing more than to come home. So I'm thinking in my mind how I can go Rambo on these guards and get us out of the Maasai Mara. You know, and I don't know what I was thinking because I threw my back out just thinking about that right now. So I can't imagine actually going Rambo on them. But, you know, guys, we think tough. So that's my thought. Yeah, at least I want to be Rambo. So I'm thinking like that. Well, you know, in the meantime, there's a group of these kids that we were with, and they're over in their van. And, they, and one of them goes, we should worship. And they all start singing a worship song. And they're like singing, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight. You know that song? They're singing their battle song. It might look like I'm surrounded. And they're all singing away. And as they do, the Holy Spirit just convicted me. And he said, you know, Rouse, their attitude is the good one right now. Your attitude is the bad one right now. And isn't that how that works? Because we're a team. So when I got a bad attitude, you got a good one, and you hold me up. And when you got a bad attitude, I got a good one, and I hold you up. And when you're weak, I'm strong. When I'm weak, you're strong. And that's how this works. It's beautiful how God puts it all together. And there's going to be fear, and we've got to encourage each other in that. And there are going to be mistakes made. There's one thing I know about the spiritual world, and that's this. None of us is an expert. None of us. All of us are just amateurs when it comes to understanding the spiritual world. And so, of course, we're going to miss it sometimes. Of course, we're going to make mistakes. That is part of the process. And we just have to know that up front. And, and know that if you make a mistake, you know, we might laugh at you, but it's all in love. And, and nobody's going to judge it. And nobody's going to judge it. You know, it's the same thing I tell, the, I tell brides. So I did this wedding yesterday. I always tell the brides because the brides are always stressed out over it. And I always tell them, hey, look, it, I can't promise it's going to go perfect today. I mean, I'm going to do our best. It's going to be great. However, just know this, that anything that goes wrong, 
that's the thing everybody remembers and laughs at, and that's the pictures that they show. That becomes the funny memory that you have for decades to come. So the worst that can happen is you create a funny memory today. That's the worst that can happen. Same thing in the church, friends. When we're talking about the spiritual world, the worst that can happen is you create a funny memory. We all go, that totally wasn't God. You completely messed that up, but it's okay. We love you. No judgment here. We're just going to pursue the Lord together and practice and grow and learn this because that's what we've got to do. Friends, <laughs> can we do this together? Can we? We've got to, listen, we do this really well. We do, we, you guys are awesome at giving your natural gifts to the Lord. And I applaud you for that. I say bless you. I honor you. You are phenomenal. Keep giving your natural talents to the Lord. Please, what I'm asking us to do this morning as a church is, let's begin to pursue the spiritual gifts as well. Let's stretch ourselves beyond what we naturally can do for God and ask him to use us supernaturally. Because I'm convinced that this is what the world is actually dying for. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like more encouragement or information about New River Church, check us out at newriverchurch.org.